Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. <laughs> well, we are rethinking religion in this series. I hope you're doing well uh, this evening. Uh, sort of, you know, sort of interesting. If you've been around here uh, for a while, uh, you might uh, have noticed that oftentimes on the Saturday night we would welcome the campuses because we used to uh, show this service as uh, on our campuses on the weekend, but now uh, we show with uh, just a, a few minute delay live on Sunday morning. And so uh, that's something cool that's been happening. Uh, if you're new around here, we're one church in five locations for now, going back to four, going back to five again. If you heard last week, we're actually launching our Bothell uh, campus as a church. Second time we've done that. Uh, first time that church went from about 100 to about 400 in Ballard, and we we're hoping for the same kind of impact. Uh, we have a Snoqualmie uh, meeting for people interested in the Snoqualmie campus. Uh, and the good news, bad news is we have so many people we may have to uh, move venues. Uh, so it's sort of exciting what God is doing here at Timberlake Church. Well, what we've been studying the last few weeks is the book of Galatians. As we've been rethinking religion, and we see that as people do that today, uh, that's not a new idea or a novel idea. Jesus actually introduced that. Uh, he, as he came to, uh, in a sense, rewrite people's understanding of what faith is and could be, and as he paved the way for us, well, as uh, Jesus came and gave his life and rose again, he enabled us to receive God's grace. But living that out can be a challenge, and we've seen that the last few weeks in the book of Galatians. We've uh, considered what a rules-based religion is like. Last week, we looked at self-sabotaging behavior, how we can uh, maybe uh, not fall into a legalism, but sort of a libertine kind of faith where it really doesn't mean much because uh, we don't understand that God has uh, come to bring a change in our lives. And this week, we're looking at that change as we're considering, I'm calling this message, uh, What Happy People Know, as we look at uh, joy and the joy that God brings us through faith. You think about a kid, what is one of the happiest times uh, in their life when you're a little kid? It's uh, on their birthday, right? And then when you get older, what's one of the saddest times in your life? <laughs> it's on your birthday. Yeah, it just depends on how old you are. Well, uh, I had a birthday this last week. Uh, I was uh, actually uh, down in San Diego um, with uh, some friends. Uh, but, you, you know, by the way, people say, is, is ministry... Uh, you know, can, can it be difficult being a pastor? Uh, you know, it can from time to time. I came across this, and this sort of sums it up for me. Uh, who says ministry is stressful? I'm 35, and I feel great. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of uh, how I feel sometimes. Well, I, ha I, I was down in San Diego. Some people found out about my birthday. By the way, uh, just to let you know, it's warm in other places in America right now. 
It was 88 degrees. I was eating in and out every day, reminded of the goodness of Jesus. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really awesome. Uh, well, they found out it was my birthday, some of, uh, some of the friends at this uh, leadership conference, and they said, hey, you know, you need a little adventure. And so they took me uh, to iFly. Have you ever been to iFly? Anyone ever done that? It's this indoor skydiving. And uh, yeah, it's sort of a, a, an interesting thing that you're, you're in there in this big place and you get blown up in the air and all of that. Well, there's only one issue with the skydiving is that I have just a teeny weeny fear of heights. Actually, it's not a fear of heights. It's falling from a great height. That's my, uh, and, and by the way, you walk in there. Uh, if you haven't uh, been there, uh, you, you walk in and, and, you know, there's this, you see this you know, people going up in the air, all of that, and, and you're, there's this turbine which is going around, and uh, the wind shoots, and, uh, shoots you up in the air, and there's like this blade, and it's like from a Stephen King novel or something like that, and there's this little mesh that's supposed to keep you uh, from falling into the blades. Well, I, I was a little nervous, the instructor, and you know, I asked these questions that, like, hey, what happens if you're way up there and the power goes out? And they go, <laughs> and uh, that didn't make me feel any better. Uh, and so then they went right into, hey, you you get to choose uh, what suit you want. You know, do you want a red one or a black one or a blue one? And I'm like, I might need a brown one. So the uh, <laughs> so uh, so I, 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 we go there, and I decided I would go first uh, before anyone else would go. And the instruct by the way, the way the instructor he said, my name is Rocco. And I'm like, of course your name is Rocco, you know. Uh, who else would do something like this? And Rocco says, don't worry. Um, and he said, I've got some hand signals for you if you get in trouble. And I'm like, I have some for you too. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm not a real good pastor. Uh, but the, I, I think the whole idea was is that I needed a little adventure uh, in my life. My friends were thinking that. And here's the thing is, if we don't have this sense of movement and progress, we'll create some substitutes uh, that usually aren't very helpful to us. If you understand the book of Galatians, it's really this, is people were received God's grace, a free gift of a relationship with God, and it changed everything. But then they're thinking, okay, well, now I have to do something. And they went back towards that rules-based religion. And, and the Apostle Paul, who God used to write the book of Galatians, uh, he, he points to a different way. And he talks about progress that's not driven out of fear or obligation, but out of calling. And, and really, you think about that. I'm going to dive deeply into this. How, how much that could transform not only our relationship with God, but every relationship if we really start to live that way. Galatians 2.19, it says, for through the law, I died to the law so that, and this is what we're focusing on, so that I might live for God. That's what God calls us to, and it creates joy. Uh, Jesus, uh, he, he talks about what he came to do. He says, I've come that you might have joy and that your joy might be full. 
And you think, well, is this sort of some sort of narcissistic thing where I'm just concerned about my happiness? Actually, God is concerned about you receiving joy as well. Because you're going to look for it some way or another. And if you don't look for it God's way, you're going to go down another road, and it's not going to lead you where you want to go. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, he says, joy is the serious business of heaven. When I talk about joy, I know we have uh, a lot of different thoughts and experiences, and that's why I just want to consider a, a few realities about that. One is that joy is possible. I know that. I've, I've talked to people, and I'm sure this weekend there will be people where your life has been difficult, and this season of life has been difficult. Don't let this season cloud what your future can be. It doesn't mean that there's not difficulty in life, but that God walks uh, through it with us. That we don't have to go the same old way anymore. In fact, for some of us, it's learning uh, a different path. It's learning a different way of operating uh, through life. I was just, uh, you know, sort of a dumb little analogy, but I was thinking about I was at the airport. And how many of you do the TSA pre-check? Just go ahead. Okay, yeah, a lot of you do that because you're smarter than I am. And so uh, I, got in this, I got in this line, and I wasn't looking. It was, um, and, and I'm, you know, just in line. And, and finally, I get to the end, and the person says, oh, this whole section is only for TSA pre-check people. And then she points down, and she points down to a crowd of, I don't know, 10, 12,000 people and says, <laughs> that line is for people like you. <laughs> and, uh, well, something like that. Uh, anyway, I went, by the way, they have a TSA pre thing. I got it at the airport and uh, just paid my 85 bucks, waited in line, uh, got a letter that basically says, we're pretty sure you're not a terrorist. And now I get to uh, go through that line as well. It's sort of funny how we can get in habits, can't we? We can get in routines. And we know that there's a different way, we just don't choose that way. And joy is also not a personality. It's not, you know, some people are bubbly, and, and that's, that's not what this is talking about. Uh, Joy, we know, can be lost, though. That you can have joy. People will talk about this faith-wise and say, you know, I had this deep faith, and then all of a sudden, it seems like I don't have that faith anymore. Well, we see that in the Bible. That can be caused by uh, confusion, by uh, competing priorities, by sin. King David, uh, as he sinned, he said, uh, as he wanted to get back on track, Psalm 51, he says, God, would you give me back the joy of your salvation. We also see, and this is where I want to camp today, is that joy is connected to spiritual growth. That as we progress in our faith, that that will bring joy. And so, as I talk about spiritual growth, I want, I want to connect this to that, that joy we're looking for, that that happiness, that peace. In fact, we're going to look at what it says later on uh, in Galatians as it talks about that. But the words of Jesus are this. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my com Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That there's something about uh, operating in the way that God intended us 
that makes us have joy. Now, it's not that, that rules-based religion. It's not that legalism. It's just, it's having a different motivation in our heart. And we say, God, what would you have me do? Well, I, as I said, last week we looked at avoiding self-sabotaging behavior. And what I want to do is uh, consider how do we respond to God in a way that creates what we're going to read about here uh, in, in the Scripture. Because there's some habits that uh, people who have that, that peace with God, that joy, uh, th- there's some habits that they have, and I think that maybe some of us maybe have had in the past and gotten out of. Well, what do we learn? Uh, one, they understand the end game. They understand uh, what they're shooting for. One of the things that changed my life was about a year after I got here. Uh, I've been pastor here for over nine years, and uh, I, w- I did a funeral service. And at a funeral service, I heard these people talking about this father who had passed away and how he was always there. And, and, just, and, and as I heard it, I, I, I thought, what a life well lived. But I also realized that that wasn't my life. That as when I first became pastor here, I was still doing, uh, I had some great opportunities to teach and speak and do other stuff and honestly wasn't as home, home as much as I wanted to be. And so for a period of seven and a half years, I pretty much uh, just was here as your pastor and tried to be there for my kids. Because I knew ultimately at, at the end of my life, I wanted my, my kids to be able to say, my dad was there for me. See, a lot of times we get off track because we forget what we're shooting for. In a rules-based religion, it's, it, it's not about just uh, keeping God's anger away. That's what that would be for rules-based religion. But in Christianity, based on grace, we see what the end game is. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we're heading somewhere, that we're, we're moving along a, a path. Sometimes I'll hear people uh, talk about their relationship with a spouse that way. Oh, I just don't want to make her mad. For, or him mad. Or their boss. Oh, I just don't want to get in any trouble. And with God, yeah, I just, I just you know, I, I don't want to go to hell. I know that. That's a bad place. I don't want to go to hell. And we get to focus on that. And does that ever bring joy? When, when your focus of your marriage is, I don't want to make him or her mad. Does it bring success at work when you say, I don't want to get in trouble? And with faith, it's the same way. If, we, if we're shooting too low, we're never going to see real progress in our life. What if, the, what if the goal was what it talks about, that there would be peace, we'd have peace with God, we'd have peace with other people, we'd experience love, we'd receive it and we'd give love to other people, that there would be a joy in our life. And we, when we shoot towards that, then we have that, we start to move in to that, that that's the end game really the, a product of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
I think it's also important, number two, to confront negativity bias. There's been a lot written on this, and it's a, a term by social scientists and psychologists, um, and it's also known as the negativity effect, that if, that if there's something negative and positive, or something even neutral, that our minds almost always go towards the negative. That if you if say, well, we, I just need as much good in my life as bad. That's not true. You're going to become a very negative person. And we have this bias to, to move towards the negative in our life, to have sort of the, you know, to be uh, Eeyore kind of people instead of Tigger kind of people. Uh, it says in Philippians 4.8, this, this is why. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things that our, our minds need to be in a direction where we're saying, not only what am I not trying to do, remember we talked about that, or what negative is going on, but what does God want to do in me? It, it's amazing when you've been around people who've gone through incredible tragedy. A friend of mine was uh, in Oregon, very rural part of Oregon, and there was a lady who had invited this team that was doing uh, some, some ministry work and, uh, among kids who were very underprivileged. And uh, they realized as they went in, as she was hosting them, uh, that her house was pretty meager and, and didn't have a lot, didn't really have, honestly, she gave what food she had, but didn't have a lot of, of food. And someone said, you're being so generous to us and uh, it seems like, you know, you have your own challenges. And, and she said, you know what the great thing is? I get all of this in heaven too. And she was focused on how God had been working in her life. See, part of it is to decide that Jesus matters. Of course, this begins when you believe in Jesus for who he said he is. Now, every, you know, most people believe there was a Jesus. I mean, it really, and I would challenge you, even if you're a non-believer, uh, would, you would have to be anti-history to not believe there was a Jesus who lived, who started a movement in the Middle East. There's no serious historian on earth or has been that's ever challenged that. But the question is, is Jesus is who he said he is? Is he the Son of God? Is He God in the flesh, or is He just some religious guru? And if you have those questions, by the way, don't feel bad about those questions, because people have always had those questions. In Jesus' day, uh, His followers were wondering. People were wondering who He is. And Jesus uh, talked to them as they, they were restating some of the uh, word on the street about Him. And He says, but what about you, He asked. Who do you say I am. And all of us have to answer that question. Who do we say Jesus is? Is he a good moral teacher? Or is he God in the flesh? Pretty interesting if you read, again, not only Christian, but also secular historians. Almost all of them would agree that Jesus 
by the religious leaders was killed for blasphemy. That, that it was very clear that he was claiming that he was God in the flesh. And so I know when, when people say Jesus didn't claim that, uh, if you read the scripture and also just outside historical sources, that's, that's not really a tenable explanation. Now, you may not believe he is who he said he is, but trust me, that's what uh, all the controversy was about. And, and notice uh, that Jesus' closest follower, he says this, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And we read on, and it's, it's in the Bible, but it's not in your outline uh, later on, that, that Jesus said, this was not revealed to you by human beings. This was revealed to you by God. So we make that decision that, that we truly understand Jesus is who he said he is, and then we decide, how am I going to relate to him? In fact, it goes on in this book of Galatians. It talks about those who belong to Christ Jesus. And the question for us is, do, do I belong to Jesus? Well, we, we know what God's desire is, is that we would be in relationship with him. But how are we relating? There's a great book. It was written a number of years ago. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, decades ago. It was called My Heart, Christ's Home. And I like it because it describes our heart as, as like a house. And most of us will open up certain parts of our heart to God. There's, you know, it may be uh, the living room, the front porch, and then there's, and, and he goes through and he describes, you know, the rec room, the dusty attic. And if you were going to say, hey, if I'm honestly assessing, what's an area of my life that I haven't yet opened up to God or where I find myself closing the door again? You know, what will happen is oftentimes we'll get into a struggle. Uh, I, I, a friend of mine, one of my very, very close friends struggles deeply uh, with addiction. And, and you, you say, oh, man, what about someone? This guy's, and I'm not saying this to, to judge anyone here, but trust me, if you saw the quality of his life and faith, how he's tried to pursue Jesus, most of you would say, I couldn't do that. Yet he still has this struggle and it's one of those, you know, it's just like the Apostle Paul talked about, this thorn in the flesh that wasn't taken away. And as I've talked with him, there's sort of this constant decision. Am I going to close that part of my life to God, or am I going to say, God, I'm going to open up this part of my life to you, even though it's messy, even though I don't see what you're going to do. But I, Jesus, I believe you matter and that you have a plan for the messiest parts of my life. You know what happens when you do that? It's called transformation. That it's called moving from shame. It's called experiencing the freedom that's talked about in the book of Galatians that we're reading. Well, part of this, as we move forward in faith, is that we have freedom in Christ 
But, it, but what happy people know is they impose some self-limits. And the, and the Bible talks about this, that, that, that we, can, we have this freedom. And Apostle Paul says everything is permissible, but not everything is really wise to do. Uh, and, you know, I get this. I get the examples uh, I've just seen in my own life. I've seen it even with our kids. Uh, I shared this story a number of years back my, when my kids were real, real little, like six or seven uh, years old. Uh, we weren't, you know, we weren't super strict parents. Uh, and then we realized, you know, hey, maybe we should uh, be imposing some sort of boundaries and limits. I remember I was sitting in our car at the time. We had a, a, a big Toyota Sequoia. That was, you know, right at the point we sold that right when gas started being about $4 a gallon. And I heard my sweet little daughter in the background say, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Don't you wish your girlfriend was a freak like me? Don't you? And I'm like, no, I don't want you to be a hot little freak. No, I really don't want you to do that. And I thought, you know, maybe it would be wise if I did something differently as a parent. You know, I'm not talking about the other extreme. When I, when I became a Christian, I became a Christian as a teenager, wasn't raised in a Christian household, and it was, you know, uh, one of those churches that, like, if you listened to any music that wasn't Christian music, it was from the devil. And uh, any, any of you in, in an environment like that sometime in your life? Yeah, you know. And uh, so I remember my youth pastor told me, you need to just throw all your records in the garbage. And instead, I sold them to my stepbrother, John, because I figured he was going to hell anyway, so <laughs> I, might, I might as well enjoy some good music. No, the, uh, but it was, it was sort of funny that we can, we can go to these extremes or we can say, what's the wise thing for me to do uh, in this situation? What's the wise thing for me to do to have some real growth uh, in my life. Some of you have, have noticed, uh, if you've been around here uh, a lot, uh, that, you know, there's the whole weight thing has been, been a big deal. Recently, I've lost uh, a bunch of weight. Uh, it's, the great thing is, is many of you said, hey, Ben, I noticed you lost weight because I lost about 30 pounds. The, the great thing as well is that you're so nice is when I gained 30 pounds, you didn't say, hey, I noticed you're a little plumper than you used to be. Uh, so, so I lost weight again, and I went. I actually went on a, a diet program, and uh, although it was very cruel, it was uh, it was one of these programs where they said you had to eat less calories than you burned. Can you believe those people? I mean, it was. And then every week they had me weigh in. And, you know, I was thinking light thoughts. I was trying to do everything. And it was a lot of limits, but a lot of progress. And for some of us, we just have to have that want to. And here's the problem. It's just like sort of the, 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 the weight loss thing. I was losing weight before anyone noticed. And I noticed, scale noticed, but it took a long time before other people saw the progress. And here's where the analogy holds. For some of you, you're making progress in your life. You are kinder than you used to be. 
You have more joy than you used to have. You have more peace. It just, maybe no one else has seen it yet, but there will come a time when others will see it. And you need to hear, the, hear God applaud you as you move on in faith. Romans 6, 1 through 2 says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? It's talking about those self-limits. Galatians 5.24, having crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. One of the things that happy people do more than anything is number five. Resist the impulse towards pride, anger, and bitterness. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. See, oftentimes what will happen is that uh, our joy isn't stolen, it's, it's given away. That we'll go through a difficult circumstance and, and, and we'll start to blame, we'll start to get bitter, we'll start to act out towards other people. Rick Warren uh, he, in, in one of the books he wrote, he, he basically has that as, as three tests. Is the blame test. Is do I blame someone else for my unhappiness? Who am I blaming? Blaming is an indication of bitterness, and it means that you need to let go of it. It'll steal your joy. The bitterness test. Are you keeping score is there a mental balance sheet in your mind that says every time they do something, they owe me? If that happens in a marriage, you're in a path that's not going to lead anywhere positive. And then the behavior test, where we find ourselves reacting, often reacting against the wrong person because of anger or bitterness from our past. Happy people know that hope is future-facing. You can never hope looking at the past. So what's, what's the way to move forward? The final thought is the best way to follow Jesus is one step at a time. It says in Galatians 5.25, uh, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What does that look like for you? I was thinking about it uh, last week. It looked like for 40 people it was uh, saying, hey, we're going to join the church. And it's not just about having your name on a church roll. It's about I'm going to be part of the team that's moving forward. We did a little audit of people who've been involved in local and international missions. And there's been over 300 adults this year who've done that. And that's people saying, that's my, my next right step as we call it. When we take those steps towards God, it builds our faith. One of the things that's going to happen this weekend, and we don't uh, do this on Saturday night because we don't have a baptismal, is there's going to be dozens of people who are going to take the step of baptism. And as you see that, if you've ever come and seen a baptism service, it's really about the story of how God has worked in their life. How God has become real, have they, have they moved from believing to following. 
And I, I want you to hear one of those stories uh, from someone from our Duval campus who's being baptized this weekend. So growing up, I was born in Southern Maine. We were a very poor family. When I was at my first job, when I was five, I worked in an upholstery shop, sweeping the floor. I earned $5 a week, and that bought us bread and milk. We didn't really talk about God in our home. We didn't talk about Jesus or the Bible. I was a year and a half short of graduating high school but I, I, thought I, would, I thought it was time for me to move on. So at 16, I lied about my age and joined the Air Force. While I was in the Air Force, I served on Air Force One and a National Emergency Airborne Command Post. So I had a really cool job. I looked at the world through that lens of being self-sufficient. After moving to Seattle, I had some physical issues with my hips and decided that in order to fix them, I could just go on a yoga retreat. And I ended up going on a retreat to Mexico and meeting a woman from Seattle. And that was Anja. Uh, we have, after the retreat, we started dating. And seven years later, finally got married. And we've been married seven years. It was last April, when I remember we went to the service, the sermon focused on Jesus and a belief in Jesus. I realized that, that I wasn't committed. I wanted to be. I wanted to be committed to that concept and that idea. And I, want, I wanted to grow my faith. So it was near the end of the service when our campus pastor, Jeff, asked us if anybody in the congregation wanted to commit their life to Jesus, felt like they could make a change in their life and, and commit themselves to Jesus to look up. And I did, I, I looked up and I, inside, I, I felt something that was a, uh, a release. I let, I let some things go and, and I felt like, yes, at that moment I wanted to commit myself to Jesus. So Jesus to me right now is a focus, a new focus. And it's a focus on love, and it's a focus on caring, and it's a focus on community. And, and moving away my focus from my own success. So as one of the next right steps, I've made the personal decision to get baptized. What that means to me is a public statement of my belief in Jesus to show the community and the church that I'm committed, and I am. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.